0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we have candid conversations with all kinds of interesting people in the Argentine tango world. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks so much for tuning in. Welcome to all you first-time and newer listeners. Really glad you're here. My guests today are a formidable duo in the world of tango music. Let's welcome pianist Winnie Chung, and for his second appearance on the podcast, let's welcome back bandoneon player Ben Bogart. Winnie and Ben, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you for having
2: us. Yeah, yeah. we're glad to be here.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. So sorry I missed you guys when you were in Milwaukee. Um, yeah, I just had other things going on that weekend. Had another milonga going on here. Um, but yeah, I heard it was a great time. All my friends who who went out there to see you had a blast. So next time, definitely we'll uh, we'll catch you. That's
1: right. We hope you come back soon.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I see both of you doing your, um, you know, your, your tango, little tango performances on Facebook. Uh, that's, that's really awesome. So what's your practice regimen like?
1: Oh, well, we have about five to six days a week, uh, week sometimes seven, that we see each other. We try to keep it to five. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, Monday to Fridays, every day we meet at 9, 10 a.m., Right after dropping kids off at school, Mm -hmm. and we leave when we had to pick kids up from school at 3.30. We both have elementary uh, age school children, so after kids and before kids, you know what
0: I mean? Okay, okay. We make it work. Yeah. So, yeah. So
2: basically every day and then, you know, the first half of the day is spent rehearsing and the second half of the day is all of the other stuff that goes into being a musician that has basically nothing to do with music, which is like paperwork, like everybody else's job,
0: basically. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) something to do with music. We think about, we fantasize about playing in all these places while we're working on the paperwork. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so Winnie, uh, how did you get into tango music?
1: I found it through the dance first. Um, I was looking for flamenco and I was in Portland, Oregon Mm -hmm. and they said, no, there's no flamenco here but there's a $5 tango class downstairs in the yoga studio with Adam (laughs) Cornett Mm-hmm. Would you like to go? I was like five bucks. I'm in. Husband, come with me. So I dragged my poor musician <laughs> husband. Mm-hmm. Two of us, two clumsy musicians, we showed up in the yoga studio mm-hmm. and we did the dinosaur tangle thing. You know, we hold, we held arms, and then we were like, Ooh, this is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, by day two, we are already on the floor at a uh, North Hall mm-hmm. in Portland, clogging the floor, of course, because that was our day two uh, on the dance floor. <laughs> But we saw about a 100-some people dancing in Norris Hall. And so that, that was quite an experience. And mm-hmm. I didn't find music until a year later.
0: Because ah. you, you already have a really extensive background in music. You have your doctorate in composition from the Eastman School of, of Music. So what was your impression of tango music when you heard
1: it? When I first heard it, I was like, Ooh, this is popular music. This is the forbidden stuff at school. Oh. We don't study popular music at school because it is, you know, tabooed. We study, you know, high-end ivory tower music. So we <laughs> never studied tango. Mm-hmm. And I heard it through um, Adam's little boombox. It was very scratchy old stuff. Uh-huh. And I liked it. I liked the, actually, I liked the scratchiness of it 1st Mm-hmm. I like Mm -hmm. the scratch. I I like the fact that it took me to someplace else. Yeah. I I have to admit that was before I heard how cool the chords are.
3: Mm -hmm. For example,
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't a musical geek moment. It was a an atmospheric and experiential moment. Mm
0: Yeah, so Ben, I know uh, you were back here on episode eleven, I believe. Um, but yeah, for those out there who who don't know of you or who haven't heard that episode yet, how did you get into tango music?
2: I was well, I mean, I was a musician uh, prior to prior to tango, like like when he was, um, and then I somehow ended up co-running a dance school in Rhode Island with several other people, uh, in, including. Uh, Twee Bogart who's now my wife and Mm -hmm. and some other people and while I was there uh Richard Calebro, who's a dancer there uh put a bandana on my lap and uh said hey play with this for a little bit and (laughs) after I did Mm -hmm. uh I went home that night and bought a bandana and it's kind of been that's been the direction ever since
0: yeah yeah so when you were just kind of goofing around with it what was your impression of that instrument
2: you know, I, I had heard it, obviously, a lot. I was traveling around a lot as a DJ at that point in time, so I was really familiar with its sound already, but mm-hmm. the experience of playing it is is really different. So I, I was living sort of half as a saxophone uh, player mm-hmm. and half as a dance teacher, DJ. And so the, the bandanaion has the wind, it has the reeds, it has the, the wind, it has the lungs, and it breathes
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: like a saxophone or like a human. But it has keyboards, so you can you know pray, play different notes at the same time, and you can shape all of those notes because of the air. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of like I, I had spent you know, all of my musical time up to that point sort of lamenting my choice of choosing saxophone because mm-hmm. <laughs> it it wasn't it wasn't right for mm-hmm. me. But there were things about it that I liked, and then wishing I had played a keyboard instrument, and then this sort of instrument appeared that really had everything uh, that I that I had been you know, looking for that I didn't even necessarily know I was looking mm, for. Nice, nice.
1: And I have to say, uh, I've I've been playing with Ben every day for a while now and seeing the bandoneon, I did get very, very, very jealous <laughs> in, in the real <laughs> sense of the word to the point that, you know what, guys, I need a bandoneon myself. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we know it, Winnie now has a bandoneon in her house that I practice every day. I am jealous, and I want it. And so I got one, and now I'm working on playing it. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Everything bends it is true. The piano has been part of me since I was young, but the bandoneon does complete some part of that picture in the mm-hmm. same way that Ben is speaking of. And uh, and the dance, the bandoneon, the piano, mm-hmm. all of it is the same thing. So I highly recommend dancers or anyone who has tried some form of the music to pick up. One of these tango instruments and mm-hmm. give it a try. I mean, nothing is hard if you put your heart to it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You now you're, down, you're a, a bandone player and a, a pianist. So how did I'm you? I'm a
1: closeted bandoneon player. Closeted <laughs> <yeah, laughs> player, <laughs> not for long.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait till the kids die out on the piano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did how did you two start collaborating?
1: Well, we started in the Tangira workshop, which is running a seventh annual season this year in Toronto in July, highly recommended again for anyone who's got any musical inclination that workshop was run by Quarteto Tanquero at that time Ben and three other guys are in it I was not part of it, they ran it right here in my hometown in Bloomington, Indiana
3: mm-hmm. and
1: so uh, the pianist Danny Inamorato, a wonderful friend mm-hmm. of ours he says, Winnie, get back on the bench here, you know, like stop being that stroller mom. get back out of the field <laughs> and, and it's like, okay well, what's wrong with being a stroller mom? So I went back, and that's how I got roped into it, again, just like the dance, within the first week. And I hadn't left the bench since, So, mm-hmm. and in another eight months or so, I was uh, invited to join Quarteto mm-hmm. with Ben. Nice. And so uh, we have maintained that relationship until now.
2: So, yeah, at that point in time, Dan- Danny and Amorato was leaving the group, and so we knew he was leaving, and we said... Danny, we need you to recommend somebody. And then we were also, of course, keeping our eyes out for the replacement. And Mm -hmm. so we met to say, like, to sort of deliver our recommendations. And there was a sum total of one recommendation from both us and him. In other words, we were like, we think we want to use Winnie. And he said, I think you should use Winnie. And so
0: it was a good choice
2: (laughs) from from that moment on.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, Winnie, this was not your very first time playing tango music, though, right, for the piano.
1: Ah yes, yeah. so well, I started playing basically from the workshop on uh, with my local band Tamango here. Yep. Pretty much the day after the workshop stopped. Wow. So yes, about like eight months before I joined Cuarteto Tangero, mm-hmm. and it was a lifestyle. It was twenty four seven kind of yeah. obsession. It's unhealthy in the quintessential tango kind of way mm-hmm. in a musician's sense. It's super unhealthy, as you know.
0: Now, now I take it you are a classically trained musician.
1: I am classically trained in a pre-contemporary music uh, person, and then I went to undergrad and graduate school in contemporary classical composition as a I composer see. and pianist. So I, play, I I boss people around and tell people how to play the violin, how to play the trumpet, how to play everything else, but I really only play the piano, mm. and I read scores. I read a lot of scores back then, mm-hmm. and with tango, it's a new lifestyle because everything the score said probably is not true.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. What was it like playing tango for the first time?
1: It was electric. Mm-hmm. It was uh, It was simple, but very, very complicated. Mm-hmm. It was uh, distilled. It was uh, very clearly physical mm-hmm. for not just the musician, but for the dancers. And the connection between my hands and their feet mm-hmm. is direct. Yeah. It, it, does not need any justification. Like when I do things on my hands, you see that it does things to people's feet. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't get that in classical, uh, you know, concerts. Mm-hmm. Just don't. don't, don't. Yeah. 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 That and uh, everything is on the fly. So, you know, today you feel like you want to play it like this mm-hmm. and you play it like this mm-hmm. and then you triggered other people to also play like this and then mm-hmm. people dance it like this you know it, it's very real time and infectious i like mm-hmm.
0: it nice yeah ben how about you i think i remember you telling us before but it's a great story why don't you tell you us the first time you uh, performed tango for for dancers
2: i wonder if i'll tell you the same one i
0: told you last time okay <laughs> <laughs>
2: The one I remember right now being the first time. So, I, you know, you heard this story about how I went and bought um, a bandanion. Yeah. Um, that bandanion came. It had lots of problems. And, and sort of, you know, I got it fixed and uh, started learning whatever I could. And at that time, I had a regular standing. I think it was a Friday night milonga. And so what I decided to do is, at the end of the milonga, play a set of music by myself Mm -hmm. on the bandanion. Keep in mind, I'd been playing bandanion for maybe a week or two at that point. (laughs) Wow. And I couldn't really play anything. So because we had this great community in Rhode Island, uh, everybody was just really excited. I showed up and sat down, and then everything I couldn't play... Uh, they just kept dancing, and they would sing all the parts that I messed up. So oh. I had all the. It was great. I had all the dancers. I was sitting in the middle of the room. All the dancers dancing around me, singing all of the stuff I couldn't play. While I basically pretended to play the ban mm-hmm. Um
3: was
2: it was good. fantastic. It was a great community uh, building moment. And from then on, that milonga I closed every night for the next
0: couple of years with, mm-hmm. with the bandoneon. Yeah. Nice, nice. So yeah, another another thing I wanted to ask you both. Uh, we'll start with you, Winnie. So on your way to becoming a tango musician, what were some mistakes you made, and how did you get past them?
1: Ah, for well, I'll start from the geek side. The okay. geek side. I- I'm trained and raised as a geek musician. The score is our truth. You know, I wouldn't say the other way, but the score is our truth. What the score says has to be obeyed to the note, to the dot. And that was the biggest hurdle to overcome. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been told from day one that that is not true, you know, like they just slapped the score together, but it was really hard to not obey the score, but to trust your intuition. Mm -hmm. And uh, up to this day, it is still a hurdle to overcome because where is the real tango? You know, Mm -hmm. who has the real tango? Who owns it? who owns it you know if mm-hmm. you're chinese can you play tango if you're american can you dance tango mm-hmm. there are these questions floating around for years mm-hmm. and uh, i think tango is not forgiving it is just inclusive mm-hmm. tango is inclusive is that you do it it's yours mm-hmm. if you participate in it it's yours so the score it's not the tango mm-hmm. the the score helps you to find your tango mm-hmm. so that is i, I think i am now very good at ignoring the score <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good. that is the number one one the number two mm-hmm. mistake i would say is tango should not i would say should not as in i'm not sure if i can achieve it yet mm-hmm. it should not be an eco thing mm-hmm. it's not about you like it's not about me it's not about you mm-hmm. it's it's the you know thing in between people mm-hmm. that they talk about often with tango when you share a dance it's not about you looking good or him like making you look good mm-hmm. it, it's about the thing in between and it's the same with the music you know if i play my perfect piano part is that good are you off work are you, are you done you know mm-hmm. <laughs> no i mean no so that that is the same with the dancing with the music
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: how about you ben that's an interesting question. I'm kind of sitting here thinking about the answer uh, mm-hmm. while Winnie's answering. I, I guess I don't relate to mistakes in this way. So, like, I, I'm sure, obviously, there have been many sort of mistakes, but every mm-hmm. mistake that has been made has been essential to me being where I am now, right? Because you, you, mm-hmm. you learn from each of those mistakes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I can't really pick out, like, which are the ones I learned the most from. I don't know. The cycle is endless. There are thousands of them. I don't know if it's, yeah, no, I, I really don't know. I think there's some, there are some cultural sort of things that I did that I think really helped me that I think will be seen as mistakes mm-hmm. um, in, in that sort of had an advantage, for example, in Argentina, that uh, um, I wasn't bound by, I was bound by different cultural norms than, than mm-hmm. the Argentines, right? Not that one is better, but when you're coming when you're approaching something from a different angle you end up having different opportunities so so i was willing to sort of just go right to the top of the genre and mm-hmm. and start calling like the most famous fundamental players and say hey well, you know will you teach me
3: mm-hmm.
2: where a lot of people wouldn't do that because they were like you know i'm not good enough i'm not ready for that yet so uh-huh. i think culturally that culturally that was a mistake mm-hmm. um but i think that it worked out really well yeah.
0: <laughs> well were you able were you able to get the lessons from these musicians yeah yeah, yeah, and,
2: and, absolutely. And and it was okay. Later. It was fine. Like I yeah. had a weird, some weird interviews, kind of at the beginning, where they would be like, "Wait, who are you, and why do you want to study with me?" and mm-hmm. um, kind of go through that. And uh, but yeah, but it worked out in the end. That I was able to get sort of. I think what I was able to get is access to a higher quality of information that mm. I could then store for later. But I could mm-hmm. get the information earlier, yeah. and and that helped because I started. Most people who start on the new start sort of late in life for musicians by bandone standards. I don't know if it was that late, but I think I started in, somewhere in my mid twenties. So, mm-hmm. so I felt, I definitely felt in a hurry. So like okay. acquiring good information from good sources as fast as possible was very mm-hmm.
0: exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what was the reaction of some of these teachers when, when you went up and approached them and then they were giving you lessons? Was it like, yeah, great. Here's another bandoneon player. We're going to, I'm going to train them up. Or was there a, were they kind of a little cautious? The the very first person I studied with in,
2: in, in Buenos Aires was uh, Rodolfo Medeiros, who was, he played with Pugliesi. Mm. Uh, he's famous for many other things. I, I found him by riding in taxi cabs and asking taxi drivers, <laughs> who's the best the player? Because we came. I came from this world of tango dance, right? I mm-hmm. was a tango DJ. I didn't know... Who Rolfo Meiros was, which is it was strange to say today, but like at that point in time, like it was not, it was squarely within the world of tango and music, mm-hmm. but totally not within like my little subset of that. Wow. And so these tango, these guys gave me his name. I looked in the white pages. I uh, <laughs> I, I, I called him up and I was like, hey, you know, I'm i this guy Ben Bogart, and I want to you know I want to study with you, Ben. Benio. And he's like, wait a minute, wait, what? Are you? Do you live here? And I was like, yeah. He's like, are you gonna stay? I was like, yeah. He said, okay, come to my house and we'll talk. Wow, and uh, I went over to his house and we had this long conversation, which, in retrospect, I believe, was mostly about me not asking him about his rock career, uh, which I didn't, so that was lucky okay and And then also him sort of assessing whether he thought I was actually gonna stick around and 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 he kind of said, at the end of this like hour long meeting, he said, "Okay, you know, come back on Tuesday. Uh, we'll start learning." Mm-hmm. and so. I don't think there was even a price set or anything. I was like, okay, and we came back, and, and that's that's where it all started. And then wow. other teachers, you know, along the way, once I'd been there a while, it was much easier because mm-hmm. I could say, I've been here for two years, um, and they would say, oh, okay. And then and then it was it was much easier to connect with other teachers I after see. that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. You just called the guy up, and yeah, he uh, he responded. That's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: <laughs> what other ways there? Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, funny. Yeah, Winnie, what you were saying earlier about about composition. I grew up as a pianist as well. I, I you know, studied. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, growing up in an Asian family, it's like the law, right? So, uh-huh. so,
1: <laughs> so yeah. Oh, Joe, it, you're gonna come to the workshop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's just funny. Nice you, this probably. is funny. You, you made me remember something because I had this really wonderful piano teacher, but I would play like all of my. Um, I would always play like my Bach pieces like jazz and she would they would kind of drive her crazy She's, and she wrote in the sheet music copy that i had it don't play this like jazz but she was kind of oh. laughing about it
1: well oh yeah the nice teacher yeah
0: yeah nice. but she was she giggled, was like okay you're making this sound like jazz it's it's not jazz <laughs> so yeah fine yeah, so oh, yeah lucky
1: you you're a musician joe i i think it's really uh, an asset to have a little taste of touching that music as you dance
0: mm-hmm. it's the only it's the only I think advantage I had as a dancer when I st- first started this i had no natural talent at all i was just kind of like stumbling around like frankenstein but at least i was doing it in time to the music so like, <laughs> that, that was the only thing that that i had going for me <laughs> I, I would argue that
1: no
2: natural talent might actually be an advantage here oh. so like maybe
0: maybe that was
2: your advantage you maybe that you had no natural talent.
0: looking back <laughs> but anyway. yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: we're we're a bunch of geeky conservatory musicians. Uh, my husband and I we couldn't find out ankles and knees for like at least a year. <laughs> I just can't find the two of them touching each. I can't find the two of them at the same time. It's mm. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it took forever to find me knees and ankles.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Another thing you made me think of was that uh, I remember the first time I heard live music. This was in New York, and I just went to a Malanga and then Tito Castro and his trio were playing and i just kind of got swept up in it like a lot of other people you know they get swept up in the music and they love it but then as you stick with tango you obtain this other level of enjoyment and you start paying closer attention to details in the music instead of just sort of taking it all in uh, so in your opinions for for dancers you know probably earlier in their dance journey getting as they're getting more and more into tango and wanting to be more musical they're having a great time being swept up in the music, but now they, they kind of want to know more about what should I be listening for in the music. So what are, in your opinion, what are some details they should be paying attention to?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I have always, I'm, I'm always trying to take the musician brain out of my body when I'm dancing. Of course, it's not entirely possible, but I mm-hmm. do try I find the uh, biggest feature that I can detect with any new piece of music, assuming I'm not a musician, is the density of how tension is released in every song. Mm. So I hear them, you know, In basically I'm listening to the rhythmic models of this music. But without those terms, I am listening to how tension is portrayed in certain sections of music. Mm. For example, why does Pugliese sound like Pugliese, and why do Dizarli sound like Dizarli? Because mm-hmm. they have different ways of handling tension in their field. Mm-hmm. So that is the big picture. Any more broken down than that, I don't really want to give it away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like to leave it to your imagination. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ben?
2: I, I'm thinking, you know, wh- there's an element of, of the continuity of movement, of, of sort of the flow of the piece, which is related to the tension. The way that a piece continues to to, to move, uh, I, I think of the sort of the, the movement or the sort of time feel in tango as being something very heavy, you can think of it, we, I, I have to think of it as like a freight train, right? So mm-hmm. it does speed up and slow down, but it speeds up and slows down like something heavy. So mm-hmm. if you imagine this sort of ball rolling, and we often imagine a ball rolling, that you can, you can the ball can go up little hills or it can go down hills, but, but it keeps rolling because it has sort of so much you know, momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that if you can capture that in the in the movement, this sort of continuity, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like that helps really connect to the the, the music.
1: It's the same as uh, when we're playing the music. I think I think of it as one continuous river. Mm-hmm. If there is already this much water coming down from the waterfall, mm-hmm. the water, you know, assuming the bank doesn't get flooded, you know, <laughs> the water, however it flows, whatever pattern it makes it stays in the river so mm-hmm. all the volume of water is accounted for by the end mm-hmm. you know so the energy maintains wherever it got held up wherever it got slowed down and wherever it sped up again mm-hmm. everything is accounted for at the end there's no water loss if not there's just more
0: yeah 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 i like what you said cuz i just you know i encourage people listening to to watch the videos of both of you performing i mean there's this energy. There's this wonderful sense of freedom that I that I see you taking in while you're while you're dancing. But at the same time, there is an element of, of discipline and and containment, but never too much. And I think there's that balance, also of of moving with the music. You know, kind of going out from, you know, that stiffness as from beginners to okay loosening up a little bit, but still, you know, maintaining a little bit of that that discipline. Yeah. That's great. yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So Winnie, you have a background in in composition. I know Ben, we we talked a little bit about this as well. So uh, are you both also composing new tango music together?
1: Well, guess what? I married another composer from graduate school. All right. (laughs) Aaron Travers, my lovely, fantastic husband. He's been called Santo Aaron around here because he picks up all the tango slack that I leave behind. Uh, With the children and uh, he has been writing a lot of tangos for us to play So because I have such a wonderful composer already in my house I have not I've only written two pieces, but Mm -hmm. I haven't written more than that uh, To add to our stack here, but Aaron Travers has been writing a lot of new tangos for us In fact, there is a a fancy video that just came out of his new piece La Proxima Traicion That Mm -hmm. I hope you have or that is on Facebook Yeah. Uh, that we filmed in uh, Argentina with dancers and piano out in the craziest places. I would love for you guys to see it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I saw <laughs> part of it and you sent me the link. It was really, really cool. <laughs> and so we have,
2: along with all of this, the duo is somewhat of a new project. It's, it's an extension of what, what was the quartet. The quartet continues to exist, but yep. the quartet is now the sort of duo plus other people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we have a new CD uh, coming out, which is La Proxima Tradición. Mm-hmm. The, the video is from that title track. And what I can do, if you want, is I can put all of the stuff we're talking about at uh, benwenny.com mm-hmm. slash joe. How's that? And sure. Then- and then, and then all of the the video and the CD link and all that kind of stuff can be there. Yeah.
1: And I suppose we never thought of it that way. The whole composing question is: we are Ben and I are constantly solidifying. We say uh, mm-hmm. distilling orchestral pieces for ourselves for the duo. So mm. we always, when we rehearse, that's half of our work is how to. Put you know five people under my ten fingers and the other five under his ten fingers. Well, mm. his eight fingers, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his thumbs aren't any good. Mm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they count. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, along with the with the music, what are what are some pieces that you or some composers that you really really enjoy performing? I'm I'm quite partial to Darienzo, but I was wondering if you had a several favorites that you really gravitated towards?
1: I, I love my Troilo. I love my Pugliese. Mm. I, I am actually starting to really like the Biagis. Mm. I always like the Milongas. Mm-hmm. I, I'm yet to like the Fresedos, but I think they could be cool. pressing <laughs> 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 up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am very partial to the Troilo and the Pugliese.
2: Okay. How about you, Ben? There's a, there's a, I, I'm noticing sort of as a duo that this, this, this flows backwards uh, a little bit mm-hmm. through time. So, like, it's much, it's easiest for, say, beyond us, for, for any musicians coming to tango, it's easiest for them to relate to Piazzolla, for example, right? Mm-hmm. But Julian Plaza, who did a bunch of arrangements for Troilo, is really uh, kind of the easiest of the more traditional uh, tango to relate to. So, it's easiest to find all of the feelings. It's like, it's the most relatable for our contemporary sensibilities.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: then through that, the channel kind of goes backwards. So, I mean, I love pretty much everything. I won't say what I don't love. There's only a handful of things that yeah. I that, that I don't love. But, you know, of course, it, it, it tends to be here more about style in mm-hmm. this case than uh, composition, mm-hmm. I think. Because there, when we look through what we like playing, there's a lot of composers Uh, they they get on the list but we'll group them together kind of by style so yeah so like I'm enjoying Biagi more now too than I than I used to but I used to also enjoy Biagi a lot when I started
0: playing so this is it's like a cycle you know what I mean it's changing all the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I remember uh, when you were here in Madison that you you were speaking at length about Biagi how a lot of musicians have this love-hate relationship with him yeah, yes.
2: We have we still play uh Belhika, which is my favorite song to play or used to be. I, I don't know if it's my favorite. I had so many favorites, but mm-hmm. one of my favorite songs to play uh live because you can hear the dancers cussing in the break <laughs> It's a very clever piece.
1: It's a very, very clever piece. Very clever. Yeah. I once, had, a, there, thank you. <laughs> I
0: once had this really uh, this beginning student. He was he's a really serious about Tango, loves it that he was trying to dance to Biagi, and then this one of these crazy changes came up, and he just went ah ah ah. <laughs> <laughs> was like,
2: "Yeah, you're listening. You're listening." I so. know exactly. <laughs> the listening is the thing. It's, it's that's one of the things I like about Biagi that. He has inside jokes that don't alienate people or they mm-hmm. do. I guess if you're t- if you're too if you're too worried about being in in the, in the crowd it does alienate you, but if mm-hmm. you're a little bit relaxed you can you can learn, you can become part of the inside crowd or you can insert it without being part of the inside crowd. You know what I mean? So there's something there that's a little bit deeper yeah. without being too heady. I mean, yeah. it's not crazy. The patterns are the same, they repeat in all the songs. He has mm-hmm. the same shtick over and over again, but so once you learn the joke, you know the joke and then you're like <laughs> you're you're
0: in in Viozzi's crowd. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Completely doable. Completely
0: doable. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I find if if there's a particular song I don't like, there's really never any rational reason um, for that. (laughs) So, Mm. yeah, there is this uh, like the Sarli's version of uh, Cara Susia. For some reason, that song always bothered me Mm. because it sounds very similar to a uh, a jingle from a Mr. Clean commercial from the 90s. (laughs) It's, it's, it's weird. I think it's from like 1993 or four. It's, it's funny. You can actually find the commercial on YouTube. I don't know why somebody would just think to put a Mr. Clean commercial from the 90s on YouTube, but it's there. Um, but there's it's this one part of the commercial that that makes me think of the Mr. Clean commercial of, of, of the Sarli, and it's just yeah, this kind of kind of kills it. For me, but, but it's amusing. It's amusing. No, I mean that's true. That's a good point. Like I, you know, a, a, a lot of what people like and
2: don't like. Is mm-hmm. based on you know personal experience and acquired acquired experience really so yeah. like, it could be anything like that eh? and yeah and that has a lot to do with why people I think like or don't like uh, traditional golden age tango or why they like uh, traditional golden age tango when it's in a different context than the context they were introduced to it in which, which we find a lot or you know I, I, the, the, there's there's all of these elements that come together it's not just about the music it's mm-hmm. it's it's about the entire experience related to the music.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we're about to serve them all up, all in one night. We're developing this milongas set, two sets of 45 minutes each. We're going to memorize all 30 of those uh, tangos and milongas and valse's. And wow. Ben and I, just two of us, we will. we are attempting to play from the middle of the room, wireless, memorized. So we'll be watching your feet awesome. while we're playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that was another thing I was going to ask. How do you you both keep challenging yourselves to come up with new ideas? You know, go
1: ahead. Oh, I was thinking once you get to a certain plateau, Mm -hmm. you start to see the rest of what's in front of you. Once you climb up just that one more step, Mm -hmm. you go up that one more step, you see a horizon of doors that you could open. Mm -hmm. We will go and open one of those once you open that another horizon of doors Mm -hmm. and lately I would say since Ben and I started playing together we have been opening a lot of these doors so memorizing all the music we play was one of those doors Mm -hmm. we realized it once we started memorizing it then truly now the score no longer matters Mm -hmm. you don't have it it's in you it's not in front of you it's in you when you don't remember that's too bad you have it <laughs> so you you're starting to melt into it as opposed to trying to hold on to a raft or something yeah. you know so that just that opened up a huge horizon of possibilities like can we push the dancer's foot more with maybe this kind of articulation mm-hmm. or this kind of orchestration with just the two of us or if we reorganize the time does, does it change things mm-hmm. you know or so things like that that was uh, challenge, and mm-hmm. we're still taking on um, that challenge. Once we've memorized 18, we want to memorize 30. When we memorize 30, we want to memorize 40.
3: Mm. You know.
1: Yes, Ben? Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: I, I keep having different ideas. The the one thing that's really I think interesting about what Winnie's saying in this connection with the dancers is it, it changes the relationship between the music. Okay, so if you put on a CD, you play the CD, the CD goes from the beginning to the end, mm-hmm. or whatever. The song goes from the beginning to the end uh, in the time it was recorded or whatever, however it was transferred to the, the CD as it is, and everybody has its memorized and so you're dancing to something that is fixed right it doesn't mm-hmm. breathe anymore even though you can still feel the breath in the recording it, it the entirety of the responsibilities for the relationship the sort of lead follow or connection relationship between those musicians and the people who are dancing is on the dancers because mm-hmm. that's all that can be right the, the musicians already did their part and so anything that's left to do is for the dancers
3: mm-hmm. but
2: when we play for dancers and we can, we, we found now that we have, that that lead-follow or that communication, I don't want to call it lead-follow, because nobody's leading or following, but it's a, the, the communication relationship is very strong and very potent, and you, it's breakable, just like the, the sort of lead-follow relationship in, in, in Tango. So we can play music, we can feel the room, we can feel that the room wants to go faster, we can feel that the room wants to go slower. And we can make it happen or we can choose not to make it happen. But if we go too much against the the movement of the room, the sort of collective spirit of the room, we break it and we and we end up being the recording with the people dancing to us. So it's really interesting to try to live in this space, a a connected space with Mm -hmm. the dancers that I thought before, but I really didn't, but I was probably the same with all, all levels of connection, right? Just mm-hmm. getting deeper. But, um, but it's really, really obvious and really something that you can really feel now mm-hmm. with this current project.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, that's just the, the great thing about dancing to live music. I remember um, back when I had uh, Daniel Stein on the show and he said, you yeah. know, if you're a dancer, you should really think of the live band as another partner and there's this kind of a dance you have with your partner and you dance with the band as well and there's yeah there's that really like you said that connected energy and that really that really adds something
2: absolutely and i think that's true even with recorded music Mm -hmm. i mean it's just that there's a shifted time relationship going on there that like over generations which is amazing too Mm -hmm. uh but with the live music it's everybody in the room uh I mean, because you are also dancing, when you're dancing with your partner at a milonga, you're not just dancing with that person. You're also dancing with everybody else who's on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have a choice. Like, you're, you're flowing in the line of dance with them. You're aware. You're picking up on other people's movements. And mm-hmm. when you add the live band into that, that just creates a much richer sort of
3: stew. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're basically dancing with us, too. And uh, if we are there, I mean, the whole, uh, when we go quiet, we mm-hmm. can go really quiet. And when we want loud, we can do loud. And of course, with the DJ stuff, you can too, but the control is just not the same, you know? Right. I mean, they didn't even
2: have the technology back when most of the recordings were made to, right. to have actual louds and softs. So we mm-hmm. can, that, is, that is one definite advantage. We can play loud and we can play soft, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: really loud and really soft, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely great. All right, so Winnie and Ben, this has been a lot of fun. Great to talk to both of you. So where do we find out more about you online? Uh, The... But,
2: well, the best place, so we are in transition. I have to tell you this, like the, the band uh, was always mm-hmm. Quarteto Tanguero. You can still go to CuartetoTanguero.com or yep. our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Tanguero. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are transitioning the, the you know, the, the image of the group to be Ben and Winnie. So we also have BenandWinnie.com, which leads to um, a page about what we do, about our outreach programs, mm-hmm. about our uh, carbon offsetting and saving the planet yep. initiatives, which is a huge part of everything we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is okay. and I will go ahead and add some of the, I'll create a page that is called benwinnie.com slash okay. uh, Joe which will have uh, the sort of items we talked about today yeah. if you want to go find them
0: yeah, great, great and uh, yeah, those those music clips will be there too the music, yes. awesome Well, we'll have, uh, yes so the clips uh, from the new CD will appear
2: shortly uh, okay. at this time the CD is Uh, mixed but not yet mastered so I have to wait for that last step to be done and then I will upload some clips. Oh great. If you join our mailing list uh, which I'll put on there as well we will be sending out some sample clips. uh, Full songs not clips. When you join the mailing list you'll get La Proxima Tradición immediately and then over the next couple of weeks we will be uh, sending out you know to the people on the list uh, a couple of other full-length preview tracks from the CD.
0: Okay sounds good. All right, well, Ben and Winnie, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been awesome to connect with you. I know your schedules have been busy, but it's awesome that we found time to, to catch up.
1: Thank you very much, Joe.
0: Thank you, Joe. Okay, thanks again, Ben and Winnie, for the fun conversation. Lots of good stuff to think about. Be sure to check out their music and albums online. Head over to the show notes and click on the link that says benwinnie.com slash joe. Or you can just type in benwinnie.com slash Joe. That's B E N W I N N I E.com slash Joe. If you scroll down a little and join their awesome email list, you'll receive the original song, La Próxima Traición, for free. That is the song you're hearing right now, and you heard an excerpt of it during the show's opening as well. Okay, that's it for today. You can follow me at JoeTangoPodcast.com or at my new site, HealthyTango.com. Thanks for listening and talk to you again next time.